0: Yo, what's going on, everyone? Jim here from Drink a Beer, Play a Game. Welcome to the Power Hour Podcast, episode 94. No Brian. Brian is sick. Brian is a little sicky-poo. No COVID, (laughs) but he's bitching out tonight, so I've got to, you know, take the boot by the straps. What the hell? I'm already screwing up (laughs) phrases. But luckily, see, luckily because of that, I'm not here on my own. Because we do have a guest tonight, and we have a hell of a guest Friend of the show, we have actually been on one of his many podcasts before in Drunk Friend. His name is Travis. You might know him from a whole ton of things. If you're f- familiar with YouTube, you might know him as Dinesh Friend. Travis, how you doing tonight, my man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I'm
1: not Ken Bone. I wish I was Ken Bone. You could just, we could have Boner Hour again, but you'll just have to settle for me. So, But thanks for having me. To be fair, though, who really is besides the one and only Ken Bone? I know, I know. I did Before the episode, I did send you a pic of my nephew dressed as Ken Bone a few years ago, and I think he nailed it.
0: Dude, it was glorious. I was just like, (laughs) he went out there and he went full regalia, and it was just perfect.
1: Oh, yeah, it was amazing. It's the best thing he's ever done.
0: (laughs) That's where he peaked. It was all downhill from there. 100%. When you peak dressing as Ken Bone, there's something to be said about that, but it's still glorious. So what you're saying is don't go for the red sweater because it's all downhill after that point. It could be,
1: yeah. And I think Ken Bone said as much on that show.
0: <laughs> I think so, too. He was humble as shit about it. At least he had that good, you know, perspective. But right on. You, my friend. So, I could go into individually talking about all your shows, but why don't you give the people out there a little taste of where they can find you and what you bring to the table?
1: Sure, yeah. I kind of have to apologize for having too many shows. It seems like it's stressing you out. They stress me out. There's just so many shows, but I guess the one that people may, I guess, be more likely to try would be Drunk Friend. I do that with uh, Alex of SNES Drunk. He's been on your show a time or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's usually very drunk when he's on here, I found. Uh, He likes you guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He does have a party. He does. He's a party guy. He keeps up. So, yeah, you can catch Drunk Friend. He's usually a little more sober for me um but yeah we we go through uh you know a lot of different content creators like you guys have been on there we did john riggs a lot of guys in the gaming space and uh, and interview those guys um i also do the polykill podcast i do that with my friend steve um we basically try to beat all the games in our backlogs and it's sort of a humorous take on how life gets in the way of your backlog kind of thing basically we made spreadsheets fun i'll just say that about it a couple others here uh, that i'll talk about um tales of the lesser medium is one that I'm really proud of. I do that with my buddy, Caleb J. Ross. Um, he's sort of a, a, you know, he's a, he's a small time comedian on YouTube. He's an author and we go through video game narratives and make fun of them. I don't know, Jim, if you're familiar with the last podcast on the left, but I made that a blueprint for tales of the lesser medium. And I think it's really funny. I'm really proud of it. And uh, that's one I would like people to at least give a try to see if they like, because, uh, i'm i'm really proud of it but i think those are the main hitters for me and you mentioned nest friend that's the youtube thing i do where i do capsule reviews sort of like snes drunk i ripped him off completely but for the nes instead of the super nintendo so
0: that's me yeah dude like i went on polykill a little while back and i was just looking through like just all the content and not only are you you have like four or five shows of your own you also like help produce the other shows that are on like the polykill network and stuff like that so you just never stop do you yeah, I, I like to stay pretty busy.
1: Uh, I also am very burdened with work as well. I get paid to do something entirely different, so yeah, it's but it's a lot of fun. I like um, I like the shows that we have on there. I'll, I'll go ahead and shout those out. We have Off Kilter, which is sort of a game show podcast. We have Indie Quest, um, which is uh, a podcast centered around indie games, and we have another podcast on there uh, that sort of has a similar title to your podcast. It's called Petey's Power Hour. Our friend Michelle, um, who goes by Petey Petey Puff. Petey Puff, she um she does one where she she's very uh, knowledgeable about the wine and alcohol industry so she has a guest on and kind of walks them through uh wines and and that kind of thing so um, I'm I'm excited to work with all those people that's kind of the stipulation to be on the network is that kind of have to have a hand in the pot it's not just if you make something you get to come hang out um, not that it's that illustrious or exclusive but it's it kind of makes it mine and I'm really proud of it so I you know if, if anybody's curious head on over to polykill.com there's a lot of stuff there and uh yeah I'd appreciate it
0: yeah, and also check the links below, whether it's on YouTube or any of the podcast networks that we're on. You know, we'll have all the links to his Twitter, to Polykill itself, and to his YouTube page. So you can find all that good stuff down there. Right on. And actually, what do you call it? Uh, I, I gotta reach out to your friend, because when I saw her show just start and you were uh, shouting it out, Petey's Power Hour, I was like, no, not another Power Hour! And not for, like, in that vein of, like, competition with us, because, like it's not a thing anyway but there's so many goddamn what do you call it podcasts that we learned the hard way called the power hour yeah that she's just gonna mire herself in seo hell we're just like no don't do it don't do what we did yeah yeah we we like the way it sounded and didn't google
1: it until we had a logo and we were like well we really like the logo so let's just go with it it is a good logo
0: i do have (laughs) to give it that too yeah, yeah, my nah, sister I
1: drew it. But that's, you know, that's the trouble. That's the thing you fall into, man. That always happens. But power hour, you know, what are you going to do? We're all we're all out here having fun drinking.
0: Exactly. That's what it all comes down to. And actually, speaking of drinks, are you partaking in anything tonight?
1: I am. And I actually went out of my way to do this for you. I was completely out of booze. And uh, after I put the baby to bed, I sped down the road and stopped at the local booze, booze hound place with my mask on, waltzed in grabbed a few randoms um one here that i'm drinking currently is just a shiner just a, it's called the candied pecan i say pecan some people say pecan i think that sounds like an exotic bird i'm going with pecan and it's pretty good it actually kind of tastes like a soda pop tastes like you know like a root beer almost but uh, i don't hate it it'll get me drunk
0: very nice and actually that sounds nice and dangerous too
1: Yeah, oh, yeah for sure
0: <laughs> perfect and I, tonight, am drinking from our friends over, once again, at the Naked Brewing Company, the Clown Cat. It's a hazy IPA. Comes to us at 6.6% alcohol by volume. So, nice mid-range for a craft beer, but from what I'm going for so far, when they say hazy, they are not messing around. For the love of God, don't drop my beer on my computer. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> That's pretty hazy. It, it's yeah. hazy as hell. Um, it's delicious so far. Very smooth beer, and... This is another going to be one of those ones where if you're not like a typical IPA fan, like I like to say like all the beer hardcores with IPAs like to say that it has to taste like a tree's asshole, but <laughs> this is something that like anyone can really enjoy. It's like a good beginner beer for the craft beer scene too. Right on, man. I, I
1: used to be one of those guys that shied away from the IPAs, but I got hooked and now I, l- I love that
0: tree asshole flavor. I crave it. Right? Once you, what, It's it's like caviar. It's like a fine wine. Once you just get that taste on you, it's it's all you can go for. I know, yeah. But especially if you like little hints of citrus at the tail end of your IPAs, definitely check this out. So, Jeff, as a guy as busy as you are, have you been playing any games casually lately, or has it just all been for work? <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny. I talk about all the things I do, uh, but I still find time to play games, which is great. I've been playing a lot of The Last of Us 2, and I'm liking that quite a bit. I did hear your co-host disparage it a little bit on that Ken Bone episode. I was a little hurt by that. Um, but I do like it a lot. I, I've heard the, the arguments that it is not as great as the first one, but I, I'm not seeing that I'm, I'm having a blast with it. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, I'm finding it's one of those games where just the details get to me. I can spend like an hour just walking around in the snow and then looking at where I've walked in the snow. And that's a night for me. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those games I'm in awe of, and I haven't had that in a while. So I'm enjoying it for a lot of reasons that, of course, it's well-written it's action it's scary as hell so yeah it's a good time
0: nice now have you played because speaking of last of us it just won a shitload of awards at game awards and i know people you know go oh the game awards who cares yeah obviously but it's also a talking point so it kind of swept a lot of the things that it was in do you think it was game of the year material that it got i mean to be fair
1: I, i i in addition to just playing The Last of Us 2 now, which is several months after it's somewhat relevant, uh, I haven't played a lot of games from this year. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the few that I have. So to me, yeah, it feels like it should be. I still want to play Ghost of Tsushima and some of those other big titles. But uh, I mean, I don't know if I could speak with authority in terms of game of the year, but personally, yeah, for me.
0: Nice. Yeah, I. this is one of those years where I played absolutely nothing that was up for the award. So I just looked at it and I went, <laughs> Oh, okay. Like, I think the <laughs> most time I put into a new game this year was maybe Streets of Rage 4. And I mean, oh, yeah. I, I got sucked into that like crazy. I, co- I was kind of hoping that that would also get one of those, like, indie slots that, like, Hades kind of got. But from what I'm hearing, Hades deserved it. So, you know, good for them. Yeah, but, right on. Yeah, this is just one of those years where it's funny with being locked down. And I guess you would know, too, being a dad, the way uh, Brian and I are, you're like, oh, well, I'm locked down. I can't leave the house. I'm going to have so much more time for games. And then it just turns into, oh, I'm even somehow more busy than I was before. What's up with that, Jim? What, is, any, is there any science on it? Because I feel like in addition to COVID, they
1: also took like four hours off the clock. I don't know what's going on. I don't have time for shit. Somehow I'm accomplishing tons of stuff, but I, feel, I thought the same thing. I was like, all right, lockdown. In the back of my head, I was like, maybe I can finally get some fucking shit done. Mm. Not a chance. Nothing's happened. I'm burdened in everything. I'm behind on everything, and I'm barely getting game time in. I don't, ugh, I don't know
0: see you know what the problem is without when daycare is all closed all the energy has to get spent and they got to spend it with you that's so true. that's all point. of a sudden having 20 kids run around them for them to just be all crazy and discombobulated and not knowing which way is which <laughs> by the time you know you get them they're a little more tame not during this shit man there you go maybe that's it so actually speaking of all the time um when I, you've been doing. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've been doing the podcasting way more than the, uh, the YouTube page, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I started the podcasting eh, right around 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. Uh, the YouTube stuff's only a couple years old.
0: Yes. Yeah, so do you think the uh YouTube has bitten a sh- like a ton of time out of the podcasting, or has it just been adding more burden on top of burden, or have you been able to find like a nice little in between at this point?
1: Man, that's a really good question. I think. Uh, I think a lot of things kicked up for me around the same time. I think I had a lot of energy, a lot of creative energy to to spend when I started podcasting, and it wasn't quite enough. So, right around the same time, at the end of 2018, I was really, I'm really inspired by things I see and watch. So, mm-hmm. again, i I watched, I watched SNES Drunk for years, and I was like, this shit is great. I love it. It's so, it's good for my attention span. It's so informative. It's so quick, but. I was more steeped in, in NES growing up. I'd like to, I'm, I have more curiosity toward that system. And at some point it's like, well, if you want to do it or if you want to see it done, just do it. And, um, so I actually reached out to Alex. I didn't know him at the time. and was like, are you planning to do like more Nest stuff or no, nah, like it's cool if not. But he was like, no, nah, not really kind of focused on Genesis stuff, 16 bit and above. I was like, cool. Well, I want to try my hand at it, but I don't really want to look like I'm aping you completely. Cause that's embarrassing for me. And Uh, But it would be good to have your graces on it if I were to do something like that. And um, again, not really knowing him, he was totally chill about it, gave me good feedback. And so that like scratched one itch. But at the same time, I was listening to a ton of podcasts that I like. Um, I mentioned last podcast on the left earlier, that's a comedy driven sort of, you know, uh, true crime and cryptids and and aliens kind of podcast by three comedians I just absolutely adore and I was like this would be great for game narratives because game narratives are also so off the wall and batshit that you know not that I'm fancy myself as a qualified comedian but I bet you could have some fun with that stuff and so inspired by that I started that project too around the same time so all of these things kind of kicked up around, around the time I also had a daughter so I did like I went from having tons of spare time to just completely eating it with all of these projects, and thankfully I love them all. I'm not burnt out yet. But to answer your question, yes, burdened on top of burden.
0: Yeah, I know the pain, especially with my little girl running around. So they have a, they have a special way of not like because boys will just run to the wall and then bounce off it and be fine. But <laughs> the daughter, I, I, Brian Brian's little boy can attest for that. But like with the daughter, they just want daddy to come with him and daddy come play, daddy come play, and he's just like. Uh, I mean, of course, you love every second of it, but it's just like maybe a little second to myself, but it's all good at the end, right?
1: No, I know what you mean. Absolutely.
0: And also to go back with all the work. And like one thing that impressed me, I've listened to some of your shows, and even besides when we came on your show, was the level of freaking prep work that you do for your shows. Like anytime you have a guest, you seem to find a way to delve into these like deeper cores that always like catches people off guard. Like, for example, like when you had us on there, you immediately jumped into, like, our feelings both ways on Parappa. And by the time we came on there, we hadn't talked about Parappa in, like, three or four years. And I was just <laughs> like, holy crap, where did this come from? This guy really does his homework. Or when you brought up the football fandom with uh, Pam from Cannot Be Tamed. Like, just stuff like that. Do you spend, like, a ton of time with every guest digging through their backlog? Or you just get do you get lucky hitting a couple random spots through their whole... Uh, I don't want to say catalog again, but you know what I
1: mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, I think I think a lot of this uh, is anxiety driven, and I I am I do have a job in academia where I it's it pays to be just prepared always. Um, I I don't think I'm ever the smartest guy in the room, but I definitely don't want to be embarrassed for that. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of homework. You're right. So Alex and I both, for drunk friend, it's like yeah, we need to have this guy on, but. I need to really pour through a bunch of his content because you don't want to like sort of lead people, you know, into thinking that you actually do enjoy their content. Cause I think they can see through that right? or they can also see if like you just had them on because they had a, a certain number of followers beside their name and you're just leveraging some of the surface details. And also I don't think it makes for a good interview just to ask things that seem so basic because that's all you know about them. So yeah, I like to um, take the time to dig in and even people that I already know pretty well, like, like Pam, who's who's one of um, my close friends and works um, or hangs out with us in, a, in the Polykill Discord. She interacts with us a lot. I've seen all of her content. When we got ready to have her on, I still went back and dug through and watched a bunch of her stuff just so I could pick out some of those details about like, this is where you started. This is where you've gone. What's that been like for you? So, so yeah, it's uh, I usually come into a podcast with tons of of notes and prep. And I even before this podcast, you sent me a sheet and I was like, dude, what am I talking about? I got to have notes. I don't know what I'm doing. So you, as you can tell, I lean on the notes.
0: No, I mean, we all have our ways of prepping and stuff like that. I mean, it just comes with practice and repetition, right? Sure. Especially doing it for as long as you've been doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's my favorite thing too. I love taking the time to to do that stuff. I mean, what's what's more fun than just watching a bunch of YouTube videos for, for research? That's great. Yeah,
0: right? You can never go wrong there? <laughs> but, um, so, uh, me lately. I've been, for, man, back to topic. So, what I've been playing lately. Uh, lately I've been delving into Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel, the new one. And so far, so good. Seems like a lot of people complained about the difficulty of it when the, all the reviews were first coming out. And I'm not super deep into it yet, but from what I'm playing so far, I'm having a blast. Like, I played the hell out of the original one on the original PlayStation. And all the follow-ups I never touched, so this is my first time digging back into the series after, like, 20 friggin' years. But, yeah, so far it's a blast. It's nice to have, like, a nice little change of pace from Mario Kart 8, which to me is, like, a perfect kart racer, basically. But it's still nice to have, like, something with just a little bit different flavor to it. Yeah. Did you ever touch on that one, or...?
1: No, no, I'm not too familiar with that one, but, you know, it was funny you mentioned kart racer. I've been sort of... Looking through the, for some reason the the PlayStation One you just mentioned that is like a, a giant. It's almost a Final Frontier for me as a collector because I always see games on there that I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. There's so many damn cart racers for the PS One. There's like a Disney one I didn't know about. Of course you got your Crash one. There's like there's a cart racer for just about everything. That was such a a big deal back then. So they're kind of uh, a fascination with me at this point is like what didn't have a cart racer at some point. So cart yeah, racers like. Great.
0: It, Yeah, and it's always, like, the off-brand ones are always, like, dirt cheap, too, especially if you're trying to go through a catalog or you come up with, like, a theme month. If you want an easy, cheap theme month, go for kart racers, like the N64. Everyone knows Mario Kart, everyone knows Diddy Kong, but then there's also, like, Mickey Speedway USA and the Lego Mm -hmm. one, and I think there's a couple other ones on there, too. So Yeah, yeah. But cool, man. Um, Moving on, as we always do, we're going to hit some Patreon questions. So, patreon.com slash drink a beer and play a game, where for as little as $2 a month, you can ask a question that we will answer on each and every one of these Power Hour podcasts. First question comes to us from Gamer Astral. Uh, a possible second retro gaming price hike, uh, bleh, price hike <laughs> due to lockdowns. Any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I have some. That it, it sucks. I've been... Uh... I've been collected for years, and this is ah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to complain about in 2020. Let's be real. Uh, I'm I'm Scrooge McDuck it over here in my my fortress of of video games already. I'm, I probably shouldn't be complaining, but have you tried to buy a
0: game lately? It's insane. Yeah, like there's always those ones that are like, oh, I'll, you know, I want to get this, but oh, let me get this one first instead. Oh, I want to get this, and then all of a sudden, a pandemic hits, and everything triples in price out of nowhere.
1: Uh, I I know, man. And I'm doing this stupid thing. I. I talk about it on the Polyco podcast, but I am i got bored somehow with all the shit I do. I got bored, and I decided that uh, on my game collecting app that every collection that I had needed to be divisible by five. I don't know why I came up with it. I mean, you have to be really bored when you start breaking out the spreadsheets and getting that anal. My God. So I've been trying to do that. I was like, I got to do it by the end of the year. This was an idea I had like in October, again, for no reason. And instead of just saying that idea is dumb and for trying to my best to forget about it, uh, I've kind of latched onto it and trying to, you know, surf the the Ebays and the local game stores and the Craigslist and everywhere I can look for the cheapest possible—not not just filler titles. It's got to be a game that I, I would play. I'm not right. going to get the Mary-Kate and Ashley sing-alongs or, or Barbie rides a horse. I'm not looking for any of that shit. I want, like, a legit game. But still come in under the wanted price point and all that stuff. It's almost impossible right now. Like some of the libraries where games were fairly cheap, like the N64 like a year ago, Mm -hmm. try to find like bottom of the ninth or whatever is out there for that
0: damn thing. It's like 15 bucks
1: for a baseball game. Like what the hell? Yeah.
0: You use Retro or what's that? Retro Game Collector, the phone app? Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, I've been liking that one, too. I keep bugging them every, like, couple months. I'm like, when are you putting Japanese-only games on there? When are you putting Japanese-only games? <laughs> you are like, for fuck's sake, we're a European company. Give us time. But, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, it's got a good interface to it. And shameless plug, I guess. But, uh, yeah, man, like, last year was, like, my last big... Um, it wasn't even that big, but, like, my last bundle for, like, N64 that I got. And I wound up getting, like, 10 games in there for 90-ish bucks. And it included stuff like Body Harvest and some decent titles in there. Uh, like Load Runner 3D, um, a couple other ones. If you were trying to get that today, you'd be spending at least two hundred bucks, if not more, two fifty. And Ooh. some of them aren't even that good. Like Armour Reigns is like a garbage, garbo junk game. Yeah. You know, you get a complete in box last year for ten bucks, fifteen bucks. Nowadays, it's probably going for at least thirty.
1: Yeah, it's just insane, absolutely insane. And and you can attribute it a hundred percent to. I guess people being at home i don't know maybe they're saving money on eating out i know i am that's one reason that's one place i'm i'm you know saving money Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a shame i guess again i I hate to complain about that part of the pandemic right but for a for a hobbyist that's been in it for a long time it is sort of a kick in the pants
0: so what's the uh what's the one title you think that's like was really obtainable before and now a year later you're like god damn it this is the one above all others that i really should have gotten before then I think for me
1: recently, and it, it, it's never really been a cheapo-cheapo game, but I've I just watched it soar, um, and I'm trying to complete my N64 collection. I'm just doing loose, and that's the Indiana Jones game. I, I think it was like not not priced out of my, you know, I could just go out and pick this up and not lose sleep over it range, and now it's like close to 90, I think. Wow. Somewhere in there. So it's, it's definitely at a level of, okay, I got to think about this, <laughs> you know, quite hard. So that's one that's kind of uh, I've lately just
0: looked at and noticed. Yeah, you know what? Mine's actually off the N64 too. Doom 64. For as many N64 games I have, I've never had that. And, like, growing up, I was always a kid who kept every box, every manual. So when I collect for N64, I want box and manual. It has okay. to match everything else in the shelf because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> and, like, before that wasn't a super cheap one either. But last year you could have probably gotten it for, like, 50-ish complete in box. And now, thanks to the remake and lockdown, it's, like, over 100 It's, like, 130 bucks at least. Jeez. So I'm just like, no, no. Like, I, I can't do that. I'll wait that one out.
1: Dude, you, you complete in box types. I don't know how you do it, buddy. Because it's not going to get sick. any cheaper.
0: We have a like problem? Every
1: second that goes by on this podcast is time that you're not going to get a game.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, thank God that, what do you call it, like, two years ago by happenstance, like, this random antique store had Chibi-Robo on GameCube. So not only did that have Corona inflation put on it, it also had that Scott the Waz pixie dust thrown on it. And that went from being like a $40 game to a $200 game within like six months. Oh man. That's yeah.
1: That's just, that's just the way it's going to go. And I've being, being an NES collector mainly um, I've sort of dealt with that always. And I feel like that one's sort of always been the hotspot collector or collector console and it's, it's gotten plenty of the uh, YouTube pixie dust thrown on it over the years. Oh, yeah. There's tons of hidden gems in there. And I don't know. I, I jumped into that right at the wrong time. Like, I think it was right when it was spiking, like, 2010. I was like, I'm going to collect all these. I didn't even know other people collected games. I was like, I bet I'm the first one doing this. It's so fucking smart. I'm going to mm-hmm. have a whole collection of these. And, what, you know, how dumb was I? But uh, I've well, always dealt with just don't – if you blink and look back at the prices, they're going to be higher and – and now seeing it happen to all the other consoles I've been trying to sneak through, it's just, ah, uh, why why do I do this? Yeah, it's
0: painful. Unless you're going for something weird like the CDI or original Game Boy, you can get away with some good titles for cheap still. But unless yeah, you're doing those, yeah. it's, it's basically game over at this point. Yeah, true. All right, next up from Game Whisperer Dean. Some people convince themselves to grow out of gaming. I did, and I regret it. If you were trying to convince an ex-gamer to get back into gaming, what game would you suggest they play first?
1: Oh, man. That's uh, an interesting question. I was thinking about this because I have a buddy, actually, that uh, is kind of out of the gaming loop. We used to game together a lot, and then when he actually got a job and got married and had a kid, that's like what he did. Whereas I did that and still wore T-shirts with Mario on it and... And wore sweatpants every day yeah like we you know he, he he became an adult and i was just a kid that also had a job and a kid right so so like it's um i don't know it's it's weird but i think lately i've been trying to like really push him on some of the more cinematic blockbuster stuff because i think that that's more eye-catching to people that maybe think they're casual um because i think that's what happens i think people grow away from gaming and they see the rest of us out there enjoying all of our they're uh, really intense, nerdy games, and uh, they kind of feel like well, it's not approachable anymore. And uh, I think things like just real casual stuff. I mean, even if you put The Last of Us Two on easy, I think that's one that's good because it's basically a, a movie you dictate. And I think that's that one's kind of approachable. Not to bring that game up again, like it's the
0: only game I've ever
1: played, but you know, some of the big stuff.
0: Nah, no, that's it's a good point. Yeah, because I was gonna say to go with along with what you're saying for the more casual side, go with. I was going to say go with Rocket League. And I know Brian's probably cringing off camera right now. No, that's perfect. As he's, as he's editing this. But yeah, like that's the kind of game where it's pick up and play. It's got like four buttons that you use to control it. It's because I find with like all my buddies who aren't like the hardcore gamers, like they'll like if you can convince them to come together and play a game, then they'll get sucked into that and maybe they'll branch off off there. And like my buddies who first got a Switch, they were pretty much for the most part out of gaming. And then they got real heavy into Rocket League with us. And then he started getting real heavy into Smash. And then he just kind of went from there. And it, like, sparked that love of gaming again. And even playing with, like, my nieces and nephews over Thanksgiving. Like, it's, you know, age-appropriate for everyone. You don't... Everything's cosmetic, so you don't really have to worry about the loot boxes unless you go crazy on that route. But no matter what, like, you buy the game, you can just start playing it right away.
1: Right on. Yeah, that's that's actually a good choice because... Yeah, I guess uh, I guess not everyone's sensibilities are are good for for something where you're just complete like all the time stabbing zombies in the neck. So you're probably right. That's that's a way more approachable, colorful, intuitive type experience. But uh, but yeah, I think in general, if we're if we're just to answer this question, more completely probably just something that is casual friendly, but still po- I think popularity is a good thing. I don't think you want to shove a game on someone that they're like, what is this? I think they want to have heard about it so that they feel like they're kind of in on it. And uh, in on something big. I think that's important, too.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you don't want to shove some indie game in their face and then they're at work talking to some gamer guys and you hope that they can jump into the conversation. But if they're going, oh, I played Owlboy and, you know, all the normies just look at him and go, what the hell's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, good question, man. Next up from Eric Lowacki: Since COVID-19 started, are there any older games either of you have been meaning to finish that you got around to completing?
1: Yes, actually. I don't think it really had anything to do with COVID, but uh, my, one of my, fa- well, it, I'll just say my favorite f- franchises is, is kind of an overlooked franchise. It's a, it's Dark Cloud. I really like that for, from the PS2 era. Enjoy the first one quite a bit, but I, I had never completed the second one because back when I was in college, um, I brought my PlayStation 2 home for the holidays and my little nephew, not the one of that I showed you a picture of that was dressed as Ken Bone, a, a, a different, worse nephew. He, <laughs> he was really Bone young nephew. and didn't know what he was doing. Got on the PlayStation 2 and just saved over all of my saves of that game on the memory card. And I was like 70 hours in. And so for like literally 17 years, I was burned. And I didn't want to go near it or look at it. I was like, ugh, I don't want to go through all that again. So this year, I actually got the gumption up to jump back in that game and played all the way through Dark Cloud 2 and finished it. And I got to say, I think it's it's definitely still in my top three to five all-time games. I, I, I enjoyed it, and uh, it might might be because I played it basically twice, mm-hmm. but, but it is awesome. So that was cool.
0: Nice. Dark Cloud was always that game that back in like the PS2 days, anytime I'd be at a game store... Like, it would always be staring in my face, and that's when I would be like, oh, I should pick this one up. It looks cool. But then I always passed it over. And now I'm looking at it now. I'm like, shit, I should have gone back there when I had time to actually d- delve into them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But then again, the dot .hack games were kind of like that, and those are all crazy expensive now. So I think that <laughs> ship sailed. <laughs> yeah. But for me, for ol- for old games, actually, my COVID, I wound up playing a lot of, like, Switch games, like a lot of limited run releases that I picked up, and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to get to this. And luckily, they're all kind of short, so I could bank through them, like, one after another. But for older games, the original Star Fox. And Star Fox 64 is my favorite game of all time. Like, anyone who listens to this more than, like, three times knows that. (laughs) But uh, I never, like, being a Genesis kid, I never really delved that much into the original one. Like, I played here and there, and then I had it sitting on my shelf for, like, a good two years. So I did what anyone with it on their shelf does. I beat it on Switch Online when I was on vacation.
1: <laughs> that's all good, man. Well, that's, you know, it's pretty quick. And it's still, I think, given that it's still in that what uh, our friend Alex Neshrunk would say is it was still in 3D puberty, it still
0: mm-hmm. looks good and is very playable, I think. I was shocked by how playable it was. I was like, there's no aiming reticle. There's no way I'm going to be able to, like, it runs at, like, 10 frames a second. This is going to be terrible, but I guess I should do it. And as I'm playing it, I'm just like, holy shit, this holds up. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, good on them. And last up from Alex Perez, what were some of your favorite or most memorable Christmas gifts that you received as kids?
1: That's a good one. Uh, I do have a memorable one. It's one I asked for because I'm a dipshit. I just brought this up on the Drunk Friend Podcast. I asked for the the Tiger GameCom one Christmas. I, I, I don't know why. I think because it in the Sears catalog when I was like I don't know how old it was eleven or some shit, it said the word internet, c- you know, compatible beside of it, and I was like, it's the future. Uh, it was ass. I hated it. I still have it just to hate it to remind me not to ask for stupid shit for Christmas. Um, that was memorable for a lot of reasons. I think the best gaming gift I got was. Uh, Probably the Game Boy. I, I remember getting, that was maybe the only console I ever got new. I think my parents got me everything used. But I remember cracking into the to the box on that as a kid and just losing my shit. Not, not to, not you know, we didn't have the, the VHS recording that a lot of people will show on Reddit where you're like, damn, I wish my parents took VHS recordings of me running around the house in my underwear on Christmas morning with my Game Boy going crazy. Right. Uh, but it was like that.
0: Yeah, what do you call it? Um, Oh, man, that's a good one. I guess I'll go your route, too. I'll copy your stuff. First off, (laughs) for gaming, I'm going to go with, I guess it has to be the PS2. Um, My parents got me the PS2, and they got me Gran Turismo 3 and Madden 2002 at the same time. And I was like, well, I'm set for a while. I'm in the future now. And as far as just, like, overall favorite gift, though, dude, it's got to be the... I, I don't know if you're in the age group for this or if it passed you by, but... The X-Men Saturday morning cartoon, the Blackbird jet toy that they had, it broke off into three pieces. Like, the the front broke off into a car. The middle turned into, like, a command station with a giant-ass missile launcher. And the back was, like, a glider that you could shoot people out of. I fucking freaked when I got that. (laughs) And I just played that, like... I mean, I was still playing with toys, you know, quote-unquote, way after, like, anyone in my age group should in my private shame. (laughs) But I was still just like mid-teens just playing with this thing, flying around my friggin' basement. So That's
1: awesome. That is awesome. I remember seeing commercials for stuff like that and was like, man, I want that so bad. Not even really knowing what it did because I didn't watch many commercials. I was like, damn, that thing's got like
0: 10 boats on it. That's great. I got to have it. How many boats does it shoot? All of them? All right. I need it. (laughs) It's actually funny you talk about commercials because I remember wanting a GameCom when I was a kid. Because of the same reason that you had when it's saying internet compatible and it has ports of Resident Evil 2 that you can take on to go. Little did anyone know the quality that you were getting, but... Oh, man. Dude, they had a good sales campaign. What can you say? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, they had a Sonic game on there. Uh, they they really did know how to lie to us back then.
0: Duke? They had Duke Nukem? Yeah, yeah.
1: It came with lights out, which is maybe... We should have known then, when the packing game is just making black things turn white and white things turn black over and over, that it wasn't going to be a good system. But, you know, we didn't know then. But two cartridge slots. Two! Two. I mean, unbelievable. That is cool, actually. I
0: wish a lot of handheld systems had that. Dude, I wish the Switch had that. That would make life so much more convenient. No doubt. But that will conclude the Patreon questions for this week. Once again, thank you to everyone. And if you would like to... Ask a question on the show or just, you know, check out all of our other tiers. Links will be below. Patreon.com. Drink a beer and play a game. All right. So moving on. The next topic kind of was given to us through our buddy Kip, but also just through random talking in different crowds. This Maybe I'm naming this wrong, but kind of along the lines of our gaming lives growing up. So what I was thinking of doing is we picked two genres from like each generation that we think was like the ones that were just like our go to's. Like, if you had to define yourself as a gamer in each of these times, what do you think, like, would be? Gotcha. So, I guess we'll start with the third gen, which is, you know, the first one that anyone truly cares about at this point. So, NES, Master some stuff like that. You, being the NES friend, I think it's only fair that you're the one who starts <laughs> us off on this.
1: Yeah, so, <clears throat> I guess growing up, I don't know if I knew what genres I was even into. I don't even know if, if, game, if genres and games were a thing back then. I think people just made games and then people played games <laughs> like I just played what I could get um but I think it cemented by my, my love for open world games because my favorite game was the original Legend of Zelda and uh, I love the exploration factor of that and I looked for that in every game I played after that and to be honest there wasn't many other than uh, The Legend of Zelda that was really worth playing so uh, it was it was kind of the the top of its class out of the gate in it 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 made me disappointed for what came after it on that system for the most part. Um, I also enjoyed, you know, what I didn't realize were arcade ports at the time, but things like your military vertical things like Guerrilla War slash Ikari Warriors and Commando, um, just going up the screen with a little man and shooting. I don't know if that is specifically a genre, like the genre of little man going up a screen and shooting, but I really liked those games. That Jackal is another one. Um, so I think those, those kinds of games were the ones I looked forward to. I was really though, and this will come when we talk about the other, uh, generations, I was really a big sports kid and I didn't like many of the sports games other than Tecmo Super uh, on the NES. So that was very disappointing to me as a kid, like in the NES, but yeah, I guess, uh, open world kind of action adventure games and little man going up the screen shooting were my favorite.
0: All right, I have to ask, because if there's one video that we get shit on more than anything else, it's our top 10 baseball games for the NES uh, video we did. Like that, like the like the dislike, it's almost like split right down the middle. Every, like we get weekly comments of like, oh, you guys either just suck or, you know, you <laughs> s- stay in your lane, you know, kids like assume that we're like 15 year olds doing our page and shit like that. Is, <laughs> do you think it's just a little bit too much nostalgia that people have for these older sports games? because we played them and we're like yeah they're fun but you do realize just how limited these are right
1: I mean it could be it could be and i think there are there are definitely some franchises that do a little bit better than others i think base is loaded the, that franchise is one that a lot of people have nostalgia for that i think is is fine i don't think it has a lot going for it other than
0: it's it's just fine um but i hear Thank people you. just really ramp that one up because that's the one that we get trounced on the most for. And we're like, look, we said we like half the games. We don't like the ones where you're, you know, swinging the bat from in front of you and shit like that. We like the other ones, but yeah, yeah, you, you can't say that you just like have. half of them. You have to say you like them straight through or you don't know <laughs> what the fuck you're talking about.
1: It's right, man. I, I think if I had to pick pick one, I think RBI Baseball um, was maybe the the better of the franchises. But there's some good stuff in there. The Bo Jackson game is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, baseball stars is is just awesome. There's some good stuff in there. Baseball actually, th- those games are okay, but still, you know, on the NES. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and actually, I didn't grow up with an NES. I didn't start gaming until the fourth gen. So I'll just oh, go wow. with what my go tos are now. So funny you mentioned the Akari Warrior style because, like, I'm one of the weirdos who likes those forward facing uh, levels in Contra. Any kind of running gun from that era, I'll be fine with. Or even Rocky Two on the Sega Master System, which is kind of... It's basically an Akari Warriors ripoff. Yeah, yeah. Vertical going up there. And that was one that just like surprised us, because we were doing all the Stallone games. And I was just like, holy shit, this is really fun. Yeah. So yeah, anything shooty. Vertical shooty, horizontal shooty, run-and-gun shooty. I'll just say that for that era. <laughs> so, fourth gen. I guess I can keep really simple. beat ups in racing games. And it's funny, because racing games I've barely touched since. But... Back then, man, the Road Rash games or Mario Andretti Racing or just any kind of generic sport racing game, I was just all into that. Nothing with this story, and that kind of carried over into my adult life. So, very simple control, but beat-em-ups and racers for me.
1: Yeah, uh... I think for me, I, I like this is where the sports games kicked in. I played all of your quarterback clubs and all of your NBA jams and all of that stuff. And uh, that was when sports actually, you know, it felt like they could come to life a little bit for me on the TV. And uh, I remembered all the players' names and track stats and you could play mm-hmm. whole seasons, go to the Super Bowl or go to the World Series. I actually played on, on Sports Talk Baseball on my Genesis. I played a full 162 game season and playoffs And World Series and I took my lumps I was 10 years old a lot of kids don't do this a lot of kids will cut it off but the thing about this game you had to play every every uh, match matchup was a three game series you couldn't say you couldn't play a game of the series and turn it off you had to play all three games against the team Mm. and then it would save and so I would have to sit there and play three baseball games in a row and I did this all summer one year when I was a little kid 10 or 11 and I still think about that sometimes and I'm like what kind of psychopath was I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what kind of kid was I back then to do that? But sports games through and through, and I think, honestly, I don't know about genre, I think the only other game I played on my Genesis was Sonic. So I just liked sports and Sonic. I liked it fast and
0: bouncy, baby. There you go. All right, so, and what, did you have a Genesis growing up in that time, or do you have a Super NES, or both, or just a one?
1: I just had a Genesis uh, during that time. I got, a, I got a Super Nintendo much later. Yep,
0: same here. All right, fifth gen. I mean, easy to say being an N64 kid. Fucking party games, man. Anything multiplayer, like so. The Mario Karts, the Mario Parties. Obviously, I am was crazy about... Oh, you know what? Here. here, what we're going to go with. Party games and wrestling games. Because wrestling games peaked in that era, and they've never been as good since.
1: I'm going to agree with you on that wrestling game uh, business. And I don't know, is really, I don't, I don't remember having fun with the games. I just remember having fun with my boys while we were playing the games. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of good memories there. I don't know if I could go back and enjoy them, enjoy them now. I haven't tried, but wrestling, I certainly do tie to the N64. Um, I also, that was when I think 3D was finally, we still can call it 3D puberty, but some stuff, you know, in that era was good. Doom, uh, Hexen. Um some of those games are Quake, you know, you could actually get a good feel for a 3D map and run through a game Mario 64 of course. So just kind of in but that wasn't first person, but some of the first person stuff actually felt good to play and Doom 64 is a fine game. It's great it still holds up. Oh, yeah. Um it's got it's completely different than regular Doom. It's got different levels and I think it's harder, a little more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I think though that whole era of just converting all of the P- id PC stuff into 3D was was good for me.
0: Nice. Yeah, and yeah, all those were actually, and we were saying it when we reviewed it, like, even South Park for not has not good a game as it is. It kind of holds up surprisingly well, like, just from a control standpoint, because it's almost Twin Stick with the C buttons, and it's like, oh, this is so close to being, like, good and almost ahead of its time, but, you know, it's also South Park from that era, Alright, so, 6th <laughs> right, so gen. Ah, oh, man, early PS, like, PS2 era days. I think I went back to sports games a lot in that time and basically anything open world sandboxy like GTA or Hulk Ultimate Destruction, that kind of deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I would probably have to lean on sports here too. But also, that was when I discovered Dark Cloud. So that's when I finally got back into what I really loved about Legend of Zelda on the NES. I found that with um, with Dark Cloud. I mean, it's bas- it's basically Legend of Zelda on the PS2. We could just say it. Yeah. Um, but it, it had a lot of that. I, I sought that out in a lot of games. I didn't play a ton of games that scratched that itch uh, for the PS2, but I know they're out there. But I did play a ton of Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud 2. But yeah, sports and Dark Cloud.
0: There you go. Uh, seven Gen, Xbox 360 era. This was the height of me being a pothead back when I was. So it was all Guitar Hero and it was all NHL. Nice, man. That's a that's a Philly man's sentence right there. Mm. <laughs> right? Always playing as the Flyers and always coming up short? Yes. No matter how much I goddamn tried. <laughs> goddamn it. It's been 15 goddamn years. <laughs> uh, that
1: was when I think you, you said party games for N64. I think this was my actual true multiplayer awakening. So I'm going to say multiplayer games is just a big blanket statement across anything. This is the first time I'd ever played with anybody else, and um, you know I'm also going to say Guitar Hero. I played I played a lot of that. Too have much. Have you argument. tried going
0: back lately to it?
1: You know I have actually because we lost Eddie Van Halen not too long ago, and I didn't play it on the 360. I played it on the Wii. I mm-hmm. played all the rest of them on the 360, but I had Wii Eddie Van Halen and fired it up. And uh, had a blast over, across two nights. I Van halen my ass up. True nice. tribute. Yeah, it was so, okay.
0: Ah oh, man, because what do you call it? like once a year? We'll like all my buddies who we used to all like obsess over Guitar Hero together. We'll all get together and we'll play it. And after like four hours, we'll just be completely burnt. Maybe it's because we spent like three straight years on it at the very least. But <laughs> dude, like we like all of a sudden all that feeling comes back in the head, and it's just like that hyper focus that we just don't have anymore. And it's still fun, but it's like very sparing. We just sit there thinking, how do we used to do this for like 10 hours straight at a time? No, that's a good point. I mean, those were some
1: of the best times too, man. I remember uh, that was when I was in college and we had the dorm room and we just kind of left it on all day. It was kind of just like an arcade machine with a tracked mode. And you just walk up, grab the guitar, play a song, set a high score. But we, I think on that first one, or not the first one, but Guitar Hero 3, the one that you know, skyrocketed the franchise. Yeah. Uh, That one tracked high scores relatively easily. So after each song, you could enter your initials. I think after that, they made it different to where it wasn't as fun to track scores. I remember this for some reason. But Mm -hmm. we we were really hell-bent on, you know, percentage points and who could do better. And it was to the point that we were sick of a lot of those songs because— some of us would just be transfixed on trying to set a record on one, and you would you would hear a song start from the kitchen. You would just storm up to your bedroom and shut the door and be like, God, I'm so sick of that song. Um, but, man, so many good times. But have you tried to play? Um, they, they tried to revive those games not too long ago. Uh, rock, the new rock band I had a buddy bring over, and we still had fun with it. It was new
0: songs. It was kind of a fresh feel. It was pretty fun. Yeah, you know what? Like, I meant to get it, and I never got around to it. And I'm kicking myself in the ass for it, but like two years ago, the Wii U version of Rock Band Live or whatever it was called, or maybe it was Guitar Hero Live, it was at five below, brand new in box for five bucks. Whoa! And I was just like, ah, I'm not gonna get around to this. Stupid, <laughs> stupid. It was five
1: goddamn dollars, brand new. And it's great, man. The song catalog's great. You can just—I mean, the worst part is that you start off, you'll play the songs that they give you, which, let's be honest, there's not a lot of good licensed stuff on there when you first get it. But right. then they sell like almost any song you want for ninety nine cents. So the drunker you get, the more you just start throwing dollars at people. Like, hey, get me this song, get me this song. It's basically karaoke at that point. Oh and, yeah. Oh man, just we we still had a blast with it. I was kind of sad to hear that it flopped because I'm I'm betting we won't see another one again for at least a long long time. But I know.
0: Yeah, both of them flopped too. It wasn't just like Rock Band did good and Guitar Hero failed. They both just bombed. Yeah,
1: sad. The, the days of peripherals that aren't VR, I guess.
0: Yeah, I know, over. right yeah ah, bygone era and yeah. i guess we'll round it out with the eighth gen so for me i played that's when my like retro boom fucking started man like i played way more old shit and like discovering old consoles like i, I would play random stuff like i always play we get call of duty every year so that's like the game where the boys will still you know who will still even buy a console we'll get together we'll stay up all night midnight release and then take off from work the next day and hop on you know randomly with that but the focus man, it just went on like building up that turbo graphics that I never even knew existed until 2013 or finally going back and getting a super NES collection or the CDI I randomly found at a goodwill. So I started collecting for that and actually playing games on that goddamn thing.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you, man. I, this, this past gen, I think the blockbuster stuff was just so much fewer and far between because it costs more to make games and it takes longer to make games. And so a lot of the the big stuff was just you know not as not as in your face I guess. In the past, you get like now you get like eight really solid games a year. Not that right. there's okay, I should be on, there's tons of great games, but like the big budget stuff that is always in your face. So you know, in addition to playing some some indie stuff, I I also kind of had my my retro renaissance over the past five or six years, and and um, that's sort of how Polykill was founded is just me kind of rediscovering stuff that I missed. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I could sum it up because i think over the past this past generation i've tried really hard just to soak in as much gaming history across generations as possible so i played everything flight sims stuff i didn't think i would ever like you know i tried to to
0: try it all smoke the whole pack as you might say what do you think's the uh if you had to like pick one genre that like you just never cared about before that you just went all in on with your little uh, renaissance what do you think that would be
1: that's a good question i think some of the really, and this actually is going to speak to you a little bit because I know you're not a big RPG guy, right? Right. I think that was me too. You know, we were both sports guys growing up. I didn't really follow game narratives very well. They were all kind of hokey pokey bullshit. Yeah. Um, I, I needed something like The Last of Us to have like actual characters die and be grounded before I was interested in what the story was. So I was like, man, I really need to to focus on some of these old school games that people really. Uh, you know revere highly your chrono triggers your your wild arms all that stuff and so i was like i got to really focus and play these games so i can at least hold my own you know what if what if drink a beer play a game have me on i got to know what i'm talking about right obviously so i started playing a ton of those and i came away being like yeah these are great no wonder people fucking like them there's not i don't like all of them but um it was definitely you know it, it showed me that i actually do have the patience for those games and i didn't think i did
0: yeah i actually wound up i had like a good 3 year Two to three year spurt where I was like, all of a sudden out of nowhere, like, having RPGs. Like, anything that Bethesda put out, I was putting like 80 hours into each of them. Like, Fantasy Star Online and Fantasy Star Universe, I dug into. Even like those random JRPGs from the era, like Enchanted Arms and crap like that, which is, it's not like a fantastic game, but it was like, it was a good enough time. And it was a good like 40 hours for five bucks and that I didn't regret that kind of deal. <laughs> and then, you know, I then I eventually moved into my with my girlfriend, now wife. And then the time for that went out the window. So yeah, it happens. Yeah. But if I had to say like a genre, any kind of like shmup. And I know some people hate that phrase, but uh, like vertical, horizontal. It's just something that like completely passed me by forever until the last couple years. And just out of nowhere, like once you start like getting into them, like they suck you in. You just want to be like. Oh, I want to play the gimmick to this one. I want to play the gimmick to this one, and I don't think I've beaten a single one yet. Like I'm still just <laughs> dog shit at the genre. But I, don't I know, think man. that's that the kind of turnoff like...
1: for a lot of people is that uh, it is hard as hell. Like they are actually they're they're made to just punish highly skilled Japanese boys who are right. who love those things. Man, I I can't do it. I, if you try to play like Ikaruga and people are like it's my favorite game, you should play it. And you're like, this is child abuse. I mean, I'm a grown man, but I
0: feel abused. So so hard, dude. I remember this fucking Maddox article from like 2002 where he was talking about like everyone was talking about like Soul Calibur 2. He's like, No, play a real man's game, play Ikaruga. So when it finally came out (laughs) on the 360, I was like, Ikaruga's coming. Holy shit, I got to download Ikaruga. And I could never get past the second level. Oh
1: man, I can't get past like the second bubble,
0: (laughs) but yeah, like I like in the college, uh, they had a commuter lounge because all of our friends we weren't living on campus for the first couple years. And there would be this one kid sitting at the TV just blasting through Ikaruga every single day. Like, he must have failed out of school because he was never in class. He was just playing Ikaruga left and wow. right. And I was like, man, that's a level determinant. One, I'm surprised as hell that the Commuter Lounge even had that. And two, <laughs> of, of all games to have, like, of course it had Halo and shit like that. But And two, like, yeah, man, that's just i I still can't do that one. Like when everyone went nuts when that like sixty dollars collection came out like last year, I was like, I'll pass as much as I like collecting shit. I can pass on this <laughs>
1: i've I've tried to find some that are, I guess, for lack of a better term, beatable because you know the the whole Polyco podcast is is bent on finding games to beat. And I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm just playing games that I'm not going to finish. And so it's it's actually been hard to find shoot 'em ups that I'm I'm skilled enough to to come around on. I mean I try as many as I can. I don't stay away from them just because they're hard. But right, um, if I'm going to sink some time into it, I want it to be you know I'm gonna I want to walk away with the belt. And, oh yeah, uh, no, yeah, they're, there, they're tough. I think Blazing yeah. Lasers and maybe Gunnack, uh are two that are are viable. Uh, I've still not beaten them, but they're fun enough,
0: and I get close
1: enough that makes me makes me believe.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Blazing Lasers because I'm a dirty casual when it comes to these shooters. Oh, same. Yeah, 100%. So that, Musha, Musha's actually, like, I haven't beaten it yet, but I can get pretty far in it and not be, like, completely frustrated. And then I always get a little bit better every time. So that's a little more forgiving. And, like, Fire Shark, too. That one isn't too bad. Yeah. Now, Musha's expensive. That's but.
1: Super easy. A lot of people don't think it is, but 1942 for the NES, that port is is so damn easy. I've actually gone through it and not died before. Really? Which is weird, because growing up, I thought it was tough. Because, I mean, when you first play anything, it's hard. But after like giving it like an hour and being like, oh, it's the same four stages over and over again, you kind of learn that not only is it so fucking boring you'll give up before you beat it, but you can beat it.
0: Right. Oh, that's good to know. Maybe I can boost up the old self-confidence and give that a go.
1: That kind of did it for me, to be honest. When After I beat that one, I was like, I am king of the world. I have beaten a shoot 'em up sir, and uh, give me your next shoot 'em up And then I wasn't able to beat another one after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you could always cheat and play the, uh, like, the bold hell ones that give you infinite lives, but you basically don't get a rank above, like, Z-level unless you get through it without, like, basically fully dying at least one time. Like, on the Switch right now, there's a game called Sisters Royale, and it's super fun. It's almost like Elemental Master, where it's, like, or Pocky and Rocky, where you're a third-person character running, but it's a vertical shooter for all intents and purposes. But they'll give you all the lives in the world to get through it. But, you know, if you run out of your three lives at any point and have to continue, your score gets reset. And, of course, the final level is three boss fights in a row. And God knows I'm not going to get through that without dying left <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's my goal right now is to try and at least beat that and get a score above E. If I can get above that, then I'll feel accomplished. I believe in you. But, yeah. So I heard that from some buddies of ours, and I was like, you no, know that's not a bad idea. Cause it's funny to see how like people definitely change or get different, discover new things or get just stuck in a rut almost through every different generation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So speaking of gaming preferences, Travis, when you play first-person shooters or games in general, do you invert or do you just go with they give you?
1: I think it's funny that you're asking me this because I just had a breakdown over this about a month ago. I broke. I literally, my thumbs just stopped working, and I stopped understanding perspective. It's This is a true story. I was playing Star Fox Assault on the GameCube, and in that, you are in a ship, you are Star Fox on the ground, and you are also in a car. Like, there's three different modes, and Mm -hmm. you go between each. And for some reason, when I was flying, I liked it to be... Inverted at first and the rest of them were not inverted and I was fine, but at some point my brain decided to Just not have a line between those things and it wanted me to do them all Inverted for that game And so I had to halfway through the game. I just couldn't control it anymore So I had to switch all I had to switch the the settings so that everything was inverted and I I finished the game But then after that, I tried to play uh, Gears of War with a buddy, just inverted shooting, and I couldn't do it. And then I switched back. was like, okay, so maybe I'm fixed. And I still couldn't do it. So no, no matter what I set it on, I couldn't do it. And it was like, honest to God, like three hours of me, I completely had forgotten how to move in a video game. My brain was broken. It was actually a concern. So now like, I don't oh my know. Oh God! Why can't I adapt? What's going on? What's happening? It was pretty scary. I thought I had to go to the doctor and talk to somebody. Like, what? Do, what if I have a?
0: What if I have a thing? I don't know what's going on. Well, you can you can rest easy now because people are actually spending money for studies to look into gamers and why they invert their controls. Thank God. Whether it's, a, <laughs> thank God, finally someone for me. They finally <laughs> know my plight. Because, yeah, this comes to us from The Guardian, today's article, links will be below. So, scientists are actually studying why gamers invert their controls. And this actually spurned from a previous Guardian article. And I guess someone at a university went, yeah, that's a really good point. We could probably put something to this. So, the details of it go through, and they're just talking about how, whether it's people putting themselves as the character or playing, like, behind the character. And that can judge whether you play with the default controls aiming up and down or inverting. Because I'm kind of like you. Like, it depends on the game. Like, once again, with Star Fox 64, that defaulted to inverted. So maybe that's why I just naturally think, or with flight games, you know, I push down, I go up. I push up, I go down. Right. But if I play a first-person shooter, if I want to shoot up, I'm flicking my controller up and stuff like that. And it's just funny over the years seeing buddies of mine who are just, they're hardcore, like, nothing computes for them but inverted. Like, there's no, you're wasting your time. I don't know how you can ever play like this, or why would you ever do it. So maybe there's something to this, and they're actually saying that it could lead to different like breakthroughs in the way the because the brain only can process so much input at once. So it also has to come down to like all your senses, and really no one's ever like tracked down just with the world around you. So it could wind up being a thing where we unlock more parts of our brain thanks to figuring out video games and inversion. Yeah, but being an FPS elitist dad that's it's it's kind of insane
1: to me for a couple reasons like one it's like how are we just now finding that this is a thing that we should study like i thought by now we would have already been like some people do this some people do that and this is why like we've already put a man on the moon lebron's growing hair back and we don't know why some people are inverted or not like i don't understand why in 2020 we're just like we should look into this seems important because i think it does seem important there's like neural pathways i mean it seems like there's some some bit of uh, ambidexterity involved and it, i don't know i just i i thought this was something that was probably already in a textbook that was studied in the 60s with a cat
0: right or at the very least because as they were saying in the article about actual pilots and the way that yeah. they control everything and what their flight preferences and controls could wind up being who knows how many freaking pilots throughout the years could have been way better pilots if they could have just switched to controls well, we won't know because those pilots are probably dead from crashing. Probably true. If <laughs> if only they could have had their preferred layout.
1: Yeah, their, their their last words that they were going down was, I wish it was my preferred layout. And then,
0: just crash. let me hit up. <laughs> it's not that funny, I guess. <laughs> uh, rest, rest in peace. <laughs> true heroes, true heroes. But, yeah, so leave the article below. It actually turned out to be, because at first I read it and my first thought was, are, are people really spending money on a?" study like this for inversion and game controls and then as you read through it you're like oh okay this actually has merit
1: yeah i think it's i think it's pretty important for cognition um and perspective because i think it goes on to say it goes on to mention it here but it 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 could lead to a lot of breakthroughs with like vr gaming it could be a, a big reason that a lot of people experience maybe certain types of motion sickness um
0: yeah perhaps so yeah i think it's i think it's a worthwhile um investment And that will be great for me, because I'm finding the older I get, the motion sickness is hitting me way more and more with certain games. Oh, really? Yeah, it always winds up randomly being, like, third-person-y kind of games with, like, a choppy-ish kind of camera. Mm. Like, Arkham Asylum, I played through it, but it took me weeks, because I can only play it for, like, 20 minutes, and then I'd have to, like, lie down for an hour. Wow. Like, it sucked, man. And, like, GTA's, like, motion blur always did it to me, but, like... The motion blur in Uncharted never affected me that way. It's it's fucking weird. It is weird. And I did like the little blurb at the bottom for this, Hal. Update. In a single day, the team received more than 500 applications from around the world. Oh, you think people would want to be involved in a study where they have to play video games. How shocking. Yeah, I know. I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) But yeah, link will be below if you want to check out more of that. And speaking of adults and the effects of video games on them. This is a Vox article, and it's a little bit older. It comes to us from 2017, and it's called The Unexpected Economic Consequences of Video Games. And how this came up was just like one of those random tweet threads that goes viral, where a guy basically starts going off about the tried and true, adults aren't being adults anymore because video games are ruining people's lives. And I should have put that tweet, I'll, I'll track down that tweet and I'll throw it in here too. But... It's funny that he linked this article to it because he definitely is one of those cases where he just read the title and went, oh, video games are ruining people's lives and no one can adult anymore. And this is why. (laughs) Because if you read it, they go into a lot of things where basically the summation of the article is jobs aren't paying enough for the menial jobs, So people aren't as inclined to go for them anymore. Right. But the title of the article, I guess they had to go for the easiest way to get clicks. They go, oh, video games are ruining job supply. Because they're like, oh, an adult will, in between his you know, 20 and 25, will spend five more hours a day or uh, a week playing a video game than he will searching for some low-paying job. And it's funny that they would always correlate these different year-to-year numbers with the fact that rages just never increase. They're like, oh yeah, the amount of gamers spending time on games went up by 5%, but the wage increased by 4 cents. Maybe there's a correlation there. Maybe a lot of these gamers are realizing that a lot of these people are also making money playing video games, so maybe there's a shot there to do something they love to make money. Or maybe no one just wants to do this menial shit. Maybe make it worth their while.
1: It could be that. It could be also that the the non-gaming age is dying off, and now there's probably not a kid that's been born since... 1995 that isn't considered a gamer so just the gaming population itself is just continually increasing i don't know if it was adjusted for that but it's like there's some common sense involved with like you know the gaming medium has been taken a lot more seriously and is you know more of a viable you know way to waste time than it was before so yeah of course more people are playing more games that's just the way it's going to work it's
0: going to keep getting bigger i'm I'm sure yeah and they even say that like older men between 31 and 55 worked 163 fewer hours. So they're saying that's an 8% decline, which where they're like, holy crap, this is like striking. It's like, yeah, people don't want to be raked over the coals anymore if they don't have to be. Yeah. So I think just, I think, uh, I think the funny thing is, it's just like how an article like this is so easy for like the people with the obvious agendas of like, oh, video games are going to still ruin you. It's like, not really. It's a tried and true thing. In my opinion, where it's like, if you're an adult, who's going to let gaming completely uh, and compensate your life if it wasn't gaming it was going to be something else right so this always just turns into like one of these big nothing burgers to me where it's just like all right, you're trying to find an excuse I'm sure there's something way worse that you could be doing instead of like playing a video game where who knows maybe you could randomly have the personality be like a famous Twitch streamer and put your money to good use
1: true that yeah, I mean... I mean, games, I mean, games create jobs, too. We don't, you know... Have you seen the the fucking credit sequence for GTA five? It lasts for two hours. There's a, a oh th- 2
0: God. billion people worked on that game. I mean, I worked on it, probably. I don't even know. Yeah, I know. So they're creating <laughs> jobs, too. Let's not... Let's Kids not today coming out of the womb, and they worked on GTA five. They didn't even know it. They had to have, yeah. And, I mean, there's even something to it. Like, even for guys like us, like, you know, tangentially with the video game industry, I guess. Like, I before I started the page, I didn't know anything about any kind of video editing. Not to say that I'm like a good one, but even by being just having an interest in video games and then putting it towards a YouTube page or a podcast and just learning these little skills that other people make a living out of. Yeah. Like I don't true. Know, it just seems like there's like a lot of things that you could get from it. So uh, I'm throwing this down there just so people can see an article that's easy clickbait, but it actually correlates to the fact that maybe it's just more, I don't want to say, something. it's just society, put throw your Joker face on there, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's just one of those ones that I just saw at first, and the, just a Twitter tirade that people were going on and saying, here here you go, this is the proof. Like, Come on, people. Come on. Have, have we not been through this enough already? Come on.
1: We got to, uh, Who's the guy that uh, hated uh, GTA? It was like a Jack Thompson. What, we got a, a bunch of Jack Thompsons out here, a bunch of Joe Liebermans out here trying to throw shade
0: at video games? Come on. Still still in this day and age? Look, I mean, Lethal Enforcers, do you did. Do you know how many—society almost crumbled to Lethal Enforcers. That that pink revolver, man. I know. Goddamn Konami one. at it again. <laughs> all right, and we're back. We took a little beer break. So, Travis, we all went and got some more beers. Are you sticking with the same thing, or did you venture out to another one? I, I got another one. So
1: I picked up—a uh, lot of times I'll just grab a beer because I like the art. I think that's most of us casuals out there. So if mm-hmm. you're a brewer out there please put some good fancy art on there. I picked up it's called Missile IPA. I don't know if you've heard of this. It looks no. like it looks like a uh like a, like a a screen art from like Microsoft Windows missile command. That's that's what got me. I was like, "Oh, this fucking looks great. It looks like it's from like the Iraq War." Um who makes this thing? Champion Brewing Company. And uh yeah, pretty good IPA, 7%. It's pretty good. I mean, very it doesn't nice. really
0: stand out, but it's it's solid. Hey, that's all you can ask. And considering that, like, everyone in the world has their own IPA. Yeah. At the very least, be solid. Because the last thing you want to do as a brewer is have a shit IPA, and then you have nothing to offer anyone. Oh, yeah. And I am actually going very Christmassy with my last beer. Well, plan to be last beer. You never know. <laughs> From the Two Hands Brewing Company, the Beer de Noel Holiday Ale. So bleh. <laughs> Wow, I just that sounded over. French. Was it supposed I, to sound French? I tripped over every syllable there. <laughs> but yes, it does have the little ampersand in there. So the Bière de Noël. It is... Let's see here. It has a deep malt flavor with notes of... Tracle? Treacle? Toasted malt and caramel. The malt character is accompanied by a ma- mild herbal presence of French... strisus sp- For the love of God, people. All right. I can't have a beer like this with, like, a 7 syllable ingredient after uh, an hour and a half of being (laughs) in on this. But all I got to say right now is it's a nice uh, semi-clearish amber color. It's actually friggin' delicious. Like, if you have a lot of Christmas beers, they're always heavier. Not so much heavier, but, like, they have spice, but it's always, like, mixed with, like, cherries and that kind of deal. Almost like drinking a Christmas wreath in a way, and (laughs) that's, like, the weirdest way that I can describe this. If you had to say I had to drink a Christmas wreath, it would be this but it's very balanced and it comes out very well doesn't say the alcohol percentage though so isn't it the, isn't that a rule don't they have to do that you that would make that up? think but you know what actually surprisingly enough not everyone does it so huh. maybe yeah. it depends on the state that it comes from fair enough know. yeah you would know now now <laughs> just <laughs> just because i'm a horrific drunk doesn't mean i know what i'm talking about <laughs> but no, what he got actually that Brian will probably be in the comments just like, yes, that's a roll. I'm like, fine, good. <laughs> but no, so far, so good. This is really tasty. My my, I actually got this because my wife – so we talked about this before, but in PA for years, no beer in, in a marketplace or like an Acme or like a supermarket mm-hmm. until a couple years ago they finally did it. So my wife's favorite life hack is to cut through all the lines at checkout by going through the beer aisle, and all you need to have is like one beer in hand, so she'll just grab me a six pack every time she goes through, and be like, "Yeah, I grab you another six pack so I can get through quicker." And I'm sitting here going, "Yeah, that's really cool, but now my basement is just stacked with all this beer I have to go through," which, okay, I guess that's like the ultimate first world problem. Never mind, <laughs> one <won't> complaint. <laughs> Sounds like a life hack to me. Yeah, I know, right? But yes, yeah, so if you're ever in the PA area and you want to cut through all the lines faster, just grab a little boost for yourself. Hell yeah. Alright, so the next topic we have is one of my favorites to ever go through, and we call it Gamer's Med. So, as you live on the social medias, the gaming community will freak out about things that are justified, and things that aren't justified. We see it almost weekly at this point. This week's edition will be Nintendo, once again, because Nintendo likes to do things a lot that piss people off, especially lately. And the most recent thing is Nintendo striking a channel, almost completely, that uploads unaltered music. So the account is known as Gilversunner, guy never heard of before this happened, but he posted a couple screenshots of just hundreds upon hundreds of copyright claims, blocks, all from Nintendo. And, excuse me, what he would do is... He would, take, he would basically rip the soundtracks from these games and upload them directly to YouTube. And the main argument for each side is, obviously, Nintendo is well in their rights to do this because it's not like he's altering them or adding anything to them or using them transformatively. He's just ripping the music and uploading them. But the other side to that is the fact that Nintendo never puts out official soundtracks or rips of their own or ways for people to get the music without having to go through a ton of legwork themselves, So, Travis, where do you fall on this one?
1: Yeah, I guess right in the middle with everyone else. Like, I I see that it's a pain in the ass because we want those sweet, sweet tunes. But uh, Nintendo does own them. But I'm with the majority in that uh, it is just annoying how Nintendo is so hyper-protective of things without giving people the opportunity to to listen to their stuff i mean if they why does nintendo not have just a spotify channel of their own stuff or something like that i don't know i i don't know they, they they're they an old school they play old school they always have they're oh, yeah. in 10 years from now they'll do this and it'll be a big deal and we'll all be excited and then that one person will be like but you could have done this 15 years ago and we'll all be like yeah guy but shut up they're doing it now so <laughs> it's it's just the way that you know what we just got um you could just, like, do, like, multiplayer on Switch pretty recently or something like that. Like, I don't know. They're just always behind on things, and I'm not surprised, but it is annoying.
0: That w- oh, man. You actually probably nailed it right there because, like, five years from now, they'll probably start releasing soundtracks to, like, all the classic games, and it'll be, like, one game at a time, maybe, like, 20 mi- minutes worth of music tops if you're lucky, and they're charged, like, 30 bucks a piece, and everyone will just buy it up because it's Nintendo, and that's what always happens.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They have us by the balls, you might say. It's so true, man. Like, can you imagine Nintendo? Like, there's no way they could ever do this if they didn't have Mario and Zelda. Like, there's no way they would ever get away with the shit they try to pull. Especially lately, like, the cavalcade of, like, the Etika Joy-Con situation and the Splatoon thing that they shut down and the Melee tournament that they shut down and all the fan games that they shut down it's just thing after thing after thing or the fact that their internet is the same as it was on the original Wii <laughs> with like 30 person 30 character long friend codes
1: yeah it's it's pretty crazy but the thing is like you said like i don't know if they really need to do f- fan servicey things they they're probably very blind to that it seems like they always kind of have been um i don't know when it'll ever bite them i don't know if there ever ever be a cancel nintendo over these things because they are still in the legal right so it's like you can't get mad at them for being morally, I mean, maybe more morally uh, out of out of touch than anything else, but it's not even a question of morals. It's just like, they're being a jerk, and we will quickly forgive that as soon as they push out another Zelda.
0: Right, exactly. And even when, like, they're failing, they're still not, though. Because, like, you look at the Wii U era, it's like, oh, the Wii U bombed. But then they also had Amiibos and the 3DS making all the money in the world. So it's like, shit, man, like, nothing stops them.
1: It's true. It's true. I kind of admire it, to be honest with you. It's sort of like um, you ever have that like one sports figure who it's kind of like Tom Brady, I guess. Like everyone hates Tom Brady mainly because he's successful, but he's so he's kind of like he's stiff. He's not really all that exciting. He's he's kind of old school. Mm -hmm. No one likes to watch him. He's hard to understand. He's not <laughs> yeah, on social media. he's not media. Like,
0: personable. He wears, you know, doodugs and shit like that, but he's also the best football player of all time. <laughs> but yeah, like, even his,
1: his biggest haters are like, he's fucking good. Like, it's kind of like Nintendo. It's like, they're so annoying, but they're so good at what they do.
0: I know, they really are. Like, it, it, uh, Like, they also annoy you because they don't put out that much, like, any given time anymore, but... Everything they do put out is basically a home run, so you just go, ah, you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. You have to think at some point it's going to bite them, but I don't know, not hopefully not soon. I'm a big, I'm a Nintendo fan. They do these things, it pisses me off, but I'm not out here, you know, trying to seek out their music. I I wasn't uh, sort of privy to a lot of the Joy-Con stuff, so a lot of the stuff, a lot of the people they're pissing off aren't people that I'm close to. I'm wondering right. how those groups of people are reacting. Are they, are they staunchly like, "Oh, that's the last straw for me. I'm not buying anything else Nintendo." And how long does that last? How long can you abstain from from Nintendo? I, I think it would be imp- nearly impossible as a gamer. I know I know a lot of people like don't don't go for the Switch because they love their 4K and they love their um, you know a lot of the exclusives that you get on some of the bigger consoles. But the Nintendo community, I mean, it goes beyond just our age range. I mean, the, they appeal so greatly to kids. Internationally, they're huge. Like, I don't know that you could ever, I don't know that they could ever do anything so bad then, that it kills them. I really don't. I think they're too big to, to even kill themselves.
0: I know. And like, for as annoying as they are, if they stay the course, they'll probably always be around. Yeah. Like, they're not trying to compete with the big guys, but when they hit, they just hit, man. Like we say, like the switch has sold what? 70 million. And it's basically a fancy tablet.
1: It's a fancy tablet, yeah, that uh, that la- that, char- that stays charged for two hours, which is, like, 13 hours shorter than any other tablet. It's pretty incredible.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And we'd all just go, ah, you guys. But then, like, also during, like, Corona, we know my most played Switch game is Mario Party because my wife, who is not a gamer, she will play that with me, and she yeah. will get intense with it. And thank God we had something to do in lockdown. Holy God. <laughs>
1: Well, Nintendo and things was there like for that. Him. Yeah, it'll be the ultimate poetry if if they do eventually have to bite it, and they go back to just making trading cards or uh, playing cards, and they're the best playing cards ever. They have Mario on them, and we all buy them and play them in prison. That that'll be well, their th- their end game.
0: There's th- 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 motherfuckers. They did it to me again. The goddamn Game of Watch. Like I got <laughs> the new Super Mario one. I got it. I did the review on it. And I was like, "This thing is completely overpriced." But you know what else? I goddamn love it. I can't put the goddamn thing down. <laughs> How many times do I need to play Super Mario Brothers? But now it's like RGB quality on this little tiny cute screen, and I just, I just can't put it down. Now both of my
1: thumbs have Spida bifida, and I can't see more than ten feet in front of me. But this was so fun.
0: Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh oh, that's it. Oh God, they're frustrating. Now, actually, uh, since you focus on the NES. Have you ever been like really bitten bad by the copyright bug from Nintendo? Because people will say like they're either like overly staunch or they just ignore you.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still the, in the ignorable range. I would think the the one person that we would hear it from in my, in our circle would be Alex because he does have some some Super Nintendo uh, soundtrack like full board you know, ripped stuff on his channel. And I don't think he's ever received anything like that. Uh, The only strikes I've ever received were actually um, one time I I did a video on uh, the Gilligan's Island game and I had a a short little 15 second clip of the Gilligan's Island music. And uh, whoever's, I can't remember the company that owns that now, but they, they struck hard on that one. They're like, no, sir, you cannot use that music. Sir, Sir, please
0: Gilligan and the skipper. <laughs> they would have wanted this. They want us to do this.
1: I know. I tr- I did try to fight it and they're like, "No, sir." But uh also, another thing that that struck me. I know you didn't ask outside of Nintendo, but another thing I got struck <laughs> on which I thought was funny. Um I did a bowling video, and are you familiar with the guy? It's kind of a legendary bowling meme at this point, but uh it, it was like an ESPN clip of this dude and he I guess he wins a bowling tournament on ESPN and he goes uh uh you know, it's like who do you think you are? I am. That was like his quote. Oh, really. Yeah, it was huge. And I got how struck- did I missed that. No, I've never heard that. I gotta look that up. Oh, it's stupid funny. He's just so excited. He just screams nonsense. Who do you think you are? I am. That was what he yelled in the eu- in the euphoric moment of, of victory. <laughs> and I I use that as a clip in the video because I was I, you know, how do you make a bowling video fun? I put that clip in there. That's great. I, right. And I got struck and I thought it was ESPN. I was like, you don't own what that guy said. But it turns out some rapper sampled that that guy saying that. And so he had the claim on it, but I refuted it and was like, I mean, this isn't this what he's what this guy said is actually public domain. That's why he used it. So right. they actually lifted it. But um I just thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the things that like will get hit. Like one of our early like we did a review on Urban Champ. So oh no, best of the best karate or kickboxing. Right. And we put in a clip from the movie Best of the Best, which, like, this day and age, no one knows it. Right. Like, Er Eric Roberts and, like, James Earl Jones and, I mean, if you know Best of the Best, you know Best of the Best. (laughs) But we put in, like, a 10-second clip from that, and it's, like, blocked, like, mostly worldwide, and it's unavailable. But we just leave it in for the bit because it's a seven-year-old video. Like, we don't care at this point. Right, right. But, like, we always just get these random strikes on that. The last one I got hit for was was Aladdin on the Genesis. My like just a let's play, huh. and it was like three different random channels that like auto claimed it for their covers. And I'm like, y- the- your groups are claiming the cover that you did of like a cover of an actual song, but it was uh, it was a thing where I was like, of shared revenue. Like I don't make money off this shit anyway, so I don't care. Whatever, share the revenue. Just don't block me worldwide.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. And so uh, I'm. What you were describing with the article, it seems like Nintendo is going after things that have, number one, a ton of views. And number two, the music is just the music. It's unaltered. It's actually just, you know, the song Stem to Stern. I don't know if they've been going after anybody that has used it, you know, because I like I like you kind of indicated, I use it as background um, tracks for, for the reviews. I don't know of right. anybody that's been struck for that outright. I'm sure some have. But... Uh, I don't know if it's a case of you got to be so visible that Nintendo sees it and does it or if there's some algorithm that um, that seeks it out. But the way this guy in the news article was kind of indicating it kind of seemed like he was insinuating there was a guy at a desk somewhere at Nintendo kind of doing it one by one because he was like it happened during hours of operation in Japan like working Japan hours and they were going through one by one. And that kind of makes you think like there's somebody listening and like checking a box on something and not just an algorithm or computer going through and identifying these things and shutting them down. So that kind of makes me feel better because I don't think that guy is going to find my stuff.
0: Right. But who knows? Same here. Yeah, there, there, there's an advantage to being small time in this uh, Sure. In this racket that we have going on here. Which right on, is, like, I mean, even during the height of Nintendo, like you need to be in on a partner program to be able to put our stuff on there or to even show like put footage of our games all we were in the early days was just like playing through emulators of old Nintendo games. And they never fucking gave it. Sh- they never cared about us. So right on. I think if they know that there is, you know, a little goose to milk there, maybe they'll come after you, but <laughs> for guys like us, yeah, who cares? Yeah. I, I mean, if, if
1: again, if Alex is a good benchmark, if they're not getting Alex, they're not getting us. Exactly.
0: And actually that will lead us into most likely our last topic of the night. And I told you I was going to surprise you with this one. Yeah. So it's one of our recurring bits. It is Which Is Better? And I'm actually taking this from one of your other shows known as Tales of a Lesser Edition, (laughs) where you will break down the wacky lore of different game franchises. So the two biggest ones that you've gone through right now have been Resident Evil and Tomb Raider so far. So, Travis, which is better? Stories Edition, Resident Evil or Tomb Raider?
1: Man, I, I think it's it's definitely Resident Evil is better because I you know the man that, that's that's this excites me that you that you dug in on Tales because it is my passion project. Um, Resident Evil is great because there's tons of characters in it, and that makes it easy from a story's perspective when we're going through and chopping these things up and making them funny and adding skits is that we have a lot of like inspiration to draw from. I made Barry sort of a Somehow, more redneck version of the rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yes, uh, we had Leon was just sort of like a Keanu Reeves, and uh, we got to do voices, and you know, it turns out you know it's pretty goofy stuff, but it, it's pretty funny to, to go through and do all that. But with Tomb Raider, it was very hard because Lara is just killing everything the whole time. Anybody she meets dies. She has no friends, and so we just had to make up people. We just had to make up like. Um, you know, we made up a tour guide that that just hung out with her and popped up every now and then, and so there's not really a story with uh, with Tomb Raider. You you she does a thing, and then at the end of the stage, it kind of she just transforms, and she now she's in a pyramid, and you're like, okay, I guess we're doing pyramid stuff now. And All then after right. the pyramid things over, it's like, oh, we're back in the jungle we're doing jungle stuff now. And there's like some mild story there, but it's so contrived. It's it's not it's weird during that time of gaming. The and we're talking about the first Tomb Raiders. It's weird that during that time how Story was still, like in the 3D uh, era, just sort of an afterthought. Like, do we need it or do we just want to show off some pyramids? It's like, well, what if she went to the pyramids to find, like, I don't know, like a cup? Like, that sounds good, but well, we can do that. But then we also want to do some jungle stuff. It's like, well, hide a cup in the jungle too. Make her go out there and look for one. So that's kind of like the whole game is she just going around killing everything, looking for random artifacts, like a serial killing Indiana Jones. So there's not really a story at all. So in some ways, we had to work really hard to make it interesting. Resident right. Evil, though, super interesting.
0: Yeah, Resident Evil just it off the start. So you're just like, all right, we can just build off this and without having to be like, oh, she spent four hours just fighting off tigers. What, the f- what do we do with this? She killed so many tigers, man. Zoo terrorist. I mean- I mean, you're still early on with the Resident Evil or the Lara Croft's tube, though, because it does eventually get to like the Chronicles and the Angel of Darkness era, where it's just like, oh well, actually, she's like a super secret agent, along with being an Indiana Jones type person, and there's this government conspiracy, blah blah. Right. Yeah. We we where sort it just of f- goes off the rails completely, and like the franchise almost died. Yeah, so and that that that's might the thing be- too, is
1: because if you've played the first four, which are sort of a succinct. You know, all on the PlayStation 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, and Chronicles, which kind of fills in some some story gaps. Um, a lot of people don't know, but like Lara, that her her it that is a full circle there. She's done. And so the the ones that come after that are sort of reboots. And you know, even I think AVGN does a whole episode about how like nonsensical some of those are and, and not on top of them being just bad games. I haven't played right. any of them from the PS2 era, but I've heard that the stories there are like really crappy, or not crappy, but well, probably crappy. But also just like off the wall. But my my like schema, my my internal idea of of Lara Croft are are 100 based on those first four PS1 games. And it, it actually took me a while to sort of like separate her from the the new Tomb Raiders, which I think are great, but they're not as like the original Tomb Raiders were sci-fi. They're just sci-fi games. She's fighting aliens and all kinds of crazy shit. And in the new ones, she's she's basically just you know uh, Indiana Jones. Um, you know, w- under a diff- wearing a different tank top, essentially. Right. So the the first four are, are in my opinion, maybe a little more interesting in that they were really wild west concepts in terms of what Lara was doing. Like she's in a UFO at one point. Like it's nuts. And a lot of people don't know that because you can't. Those games are hardly playable. They're hard as fuck. No one gets past. it. Yeah. The f- they they put in the code to see if they can get her clothes off, and when that doesn't work, then they just play a level or so and, and throw it away.
0: Guilty. <laughs> dude i mean what do you call it i remember my buddies egm like they were like oh this is the nude raider site <laughs> like, oh my god it's like four polygon pixels for her tits holy shit
1: yeah we make like, fun of that
0: a lot in the uh in the episode too <laughs> yeah i gotta go through some more of them but what do you call it man like uh, yeah i mean and i'm uh, like i was a guy like growing up who like i tr- i played demos of tomb raider but i could just never get into it like even back then it was almost too stiff for me to like Really enjoy, but i man, this is Mike the beer talking now already. But yeah, like I mean, just Resident Evil, just so off the wall, like batch it. Like you can make anything up with that and it'd be like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Where as you were saying, like most people don't know with Tomb Raider, you can almost do the same thing, and no one even delved that deep into it with like the lore at the time. So, no, it's a cool concept you got going on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I think really the biggest difference is Lara has no one to talk to and the people that she does talk to are always trying to kill her. Whereas in uh, resident evil, the stories progress because Barry just keeps popping up. He's just all over this mansion. No one wants, to, like if you were in that mansion with all those fucking zombies, you know, as, as annoyed as you and Brian are with one another, you'd probably stick together. It's pretty scary, but everyone yeah. in resident evil are just constantly trying to get away from each other. But and the funny thing is they'll say things like we really need to stick together. And then the other player would be like, I totally agree. And then after the cutscene's over, one of them will be like, well, I'm going to go outside and look for this. And then they just leave. And you're like, what did we just talk about? Yeah.
0: It's so- like, well, did we have a plan? Actually, you know what? No, fucking, fucking goddamn Brian. You know what he would do? <laughs> he He would look at me and be like, all right. Let's both go this way. And then he would push me down as the zombie horde was coming. And he would just run off. He wouldn't run off, but he'd be shooting backwards. But he knew that I wouldn't be able to keep up. And I know this because we all went to see Zombie Land together. And the very first zombie that comes in there is the big old fat zombie. the one And is chasing after this fat kid who can't get away. And he looked over at me during the movie. And I was just like, fuck you. Don't you goddamn dare look at me like that so i know what's behind his goddamn mind right there oh that's the best yeah but you know and and now we're semi-related so now he's stuck with me now he has to pretend to save me
1: haha he has to pretend that's that's a very good distinction you made very good
0: Nah, i've been around this radio long enough what can i say <laughs> but travis on that note dude thank you so much for coming on, man. One more time. Please, plug. Plug away. Plug all your wares. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Okay, so if you if you like NES games at all, even a little bit, I think you'd like NES Friend. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's a lot like SNES Drunk, but maybe more friendly and less drunk. Uh, if you like you know, podcast about beating video games, kind of comedic, much like these guys here do, uh, if you want a little bit more of that, go to Polykill.com and check out, ple- I'm just going to say, check out Tales of the Lesser Medium. We just alluded to that. It's a comedy show. It's like SNL for for I don't know. It's not SNL. I don't know what I'm saying. It's funny. I think it's funny. Uh, check it out. And um, we got some more episodes coming over Christmas. That'll be fun. Um, Polykill is you know beating video games and and having fun with it. Indie quest for indie games. If you like uh, snes drunk and and not as much me, then you could go check out drunk friend. I'm still there, but you get Alex. Uh Pete's Power Hour. If again it seems like you folks here like to drink, um, you can get a little more of that. Maybe you like wine. These guys don't do a lot of wine. Go check out Petey's Power Hour. She does wine. And uh off kilter. It's a game show. We have fun. So I think that's it. Hope I didn't offend half my network. But I think that's all the shows I do.
0: <laughs> ah, they'll live. You're the one who curates it anyway. So. Yeah,
1: that's right. I'll yeah. fire somebody if they get sad about it.
0: Nah, I can't do that. That's goddamn right. <laughs> Thanks for having me We're on, man. I really appreciated this.
1: I've been looking forward to it. And uh it's good to get out from under, you know, Alex and Ken Bone's shadow and, and flex a little. This has been great.
0: We're still trying to get out of Ken Bone shadow. So <laughs> it's just not gonna happen anytime <laughs> soon. But no, dude, Travis, seriously, thank you so much for coming on, man. We'd love to have you on again, especially with both me and Brian available. So Heck yeah. You and him could talk about your Excel spreadsheets the entire goddamn time. Oh, that'd be great. But I mean, uh, no and actually, what do you call it? Any uh final reviews on that beer you're drinking there?
1: Yeah, I'm actually really liking this. I find myself trying to sip it as much as possible when uh, I'm not talking and you are, so I must really like it.
0: There you go. Nothing <laughs> like a good beer that goes down smooth. Right on. And yeah, this one, like I said, this Holiday Ale over here, this is delicious. So if you're looking for a good... Two Hands is pretty... I think they have a good distribution network. I'm probably dead wrong on that. But if you find their Holiday Ale out there and you want like something really nice and calming to enjoy on Christmas morning because... Nothing you want to do more at 7 a.m. on Christmas when the kids are opening up presents is to crack open a beer. This is one to go for right there. Sit with it by a fire. you enjoy it.
1: Right on, man. Hey, I've got a question for you, though. You, you, go you on. drink a lot. You've been drinking a lot of beer. You're, you're a beer guy. Christmas beer, tis the season. Have you tried Abita's Office Party? No. Dude, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to endorse that here. They didn't pay me. I'm not paid by Abita, but you should check out Office Party. I think it's pretty good.
0: No, it's a I'll holiday definitely stout. Check that
1: out. Got caramel chocolate. I don't know if you're into that. I'm usually not,
0: but this one it really, it really hit me. You know, before I really wasn't, but my wife got me uh, last year for Christmas a subscription to a beer box, and it would just throw in all these different types. And every month you get a different whole assortment of beers. So, man, part of me I've been getting more into like the porters and the stouts lately. Like mm. normally I was always just like a hefeweizen or a lager or a sour kind of guy. But yeah, you throw like a good like chocolate caramel kind of stout or porter my way i'm all in for that so i will definitely be checking that out right on yeah and once again thank you so much travis for coming on everyone please check the links below to all of his wares. check his stuff out it's great and until next time cheers